scripture today comes from the gospel according to Luke, the 20th chapter, beginning at the 27th verse. Hear the word of God. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked Jesus a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless, then the second and the third married her, and, and so in the same way, all seven died childless. And finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O oh Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. Many years ago, in my first year of ministry, I was serving a church just outside of Philadelphia, and it was my first Easter as a pastor. I had preached through all the services of Holy Week, and it was Saturday, the day before Easter. I almost never wait until Saturday to start writing a sermon, and this story is one reason why. But I had given myself all day Saturday to write my sermon for the next day, and you know, you have to be able to come up with something in 12 hours or so. So I began working on the sermon at 8 a.m., and by 8 in the evening, I looked around my desk, and there were at least seven or eight aborted attempts at a sermon, and on my desk, a blank page. It was the night before Easter, and I had nothing to say, nothing. Now, when you're staring at a blank page and expecting a full sanctuary the next morning, you begin to entertain crazy thoughts. <laughs> and the one crazy thought I entertained was that maybe the reason I couldn't come up with an Easter sermon, a sermon on the resurrection, was that maybe I didn't believe it. I believed in God, I, I believed in God's love, I believed in the teachings of Jesus, I believed in God's grace, I believed in a good man paying the price for being a good man. Maybe I didn't believe in Easter. Maybe I didn't believe in the resurrection, because you know, it's, it's pretty bad when the preacher doesn't know what to say on Easter. So in the midst of this existential crisis, I started to panic. I called Amanda, I called my father, I called my brothers, I sat, I sat, I sat, nothing. And then I began looking at all these books on my shelf, books of sermons from other preachers, and I began to entertain plagiarism. <laughs> so after grabbing my senses, I took a long walk through the neighborhood around our church and had this debate, a debate in my little brain, is there a resurrection? 
or is there not? Is there a life after this one, or is there not? And somewhere in that walk, I reminded myself of all the reasons why I believed in the resurrection. And I also realized that maybe my crisis had more to do with writer's block than any crisis of faith. And then I was finally able to compose a sermon in my mind, and I ran to my office to put it down on paper. Existential and career crisis averted, or at least put off for another day. Now, as awful as that day and night were for me, I look back at it now with some measure of gratitude because it afforded me the chance to open up again the question of resurrection. I suppose it could be said that that I grew up in a family that built their livelihoods around the resurrection. I'm a fourth-generation Presbyterian pastor. Great-grandfather, grandfather, father, uncle, two brothers. Some say it's the only work we could get. But for us, Easter is a big day. If you can't deliver the goods on Easter, well, you better pack it in. But that faithful Saturday before Easter gave me the opportunity to open up again the Easter question, to entertain the debate. I think to be human is to entertain that debate. And I think we've all been there to one degree or another. Maybe it was a high school bull session where you debated the afterlife or confirmation class or a college philosophy course or the death of a loved one or a middle of the night tossing and turning, wondering, is this all there is or are we aiming for another life? It's the debate that was raging actually in Jesus' time. Do we die and go simply to the place of the dead Or do we die and go to some sort of eternal life? There was a big debate among the various schools of religious scholars back in Jesus' day. Some schools said that they believed only in what was said in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and there's little mention of the Torah, of the resurrection in the Torah, though Jesus later was able to point it out. Others said that they believed in what the Torah and the prophets and the poets and the writers had to say about the afterlife, and the debate raged, and Jesus jumps into the debate when he gets asked by the Sadducees about the resurrection, and it's one of those gotcha questions, you know, the kind that we listen to on cable TV, one of those gotcha questions that has really nothing to do with the issue, but with trying to trip Jesus up. They want to twist Jesus up in his own interpretive knots. But Jesus treats it as a serious question. It's not an academic question. It's a serious question. It's a serious question because it's a life and death question. And and life and death is as serious as it gets. What you think about death informs a lot about what you think about life. So for those who didn't believe in the resurrection, life had a short horizon, right? And, And And life had a quick end game. In a universe billions and billions of years old, to believe that life ends in 70 to 100 years for most is to see that life goes quick. It begins and it ends in the twinkling of an eye, so you got to go for the immediate results. You squeeze as much out of life as you can for yourself. Time goes fast, so you better act fast. Alpha and Omega, well, Alpha was conception, Omega, your last earthly blessed, so you better, what, you better focus on that dash between your birth date and your death date. Better grab for all the gusto you can, or so says that wonderful beer commercial. Build monuments to yourself. Amass as many toys as you can. 
because when it's over, it's over. For those who believed in the resurrection, the alpha and the omega were different. The starting line and the finish line were different. Life was not a race to the end, but a journey of aspiration, an ascension to a higher elevation. The alpha began with God and the omega rested with God, whose presence and teaching was to make you all of what you were intended to be in the eyes of the one who was at the beginning and who will be there at the end. And those who believed in the resurrection understood that life is a continuous, uninterrupted path beyond death. Not two lives, earthly life, afterlife, just one life, an unending story. Kierkegaard called it a striving born of gratitude. We are grateful to be alive, and we are grateful to be going where we're going, and everything in between is a striving born of gratitude. Benjamin Franklin wrote once to his niece on the death of a family member and wrote this. It is the will of God and nature that these mortal bodies be laid aside when the soul is to enter into real life. Tis rather an embryo state of which we are part now, a preparation for living, for a man is not completely born until he be dead. Why then should we grieve, he continued, that a new child is born among the immortals, a new member added to their happy society. Our friend and we are invited abroad on a party of pleasure that is to last forever. His chair was first ready, and he has gone before us. We could not all conveniently start together. And why should you and I be grieved at this, since we are soon to follow and we know where to find him. We are on this common voyage, this striving born of gratitude, which explains why so much of Jesus' ministry was teaching. Most of what Jesus did was teach, and his teaching was about how to live, how to live in the long term, how to live as you ascend, how to live your way into eternal realities, not how to live in order to get into heaven, but how to live in order that heaven gets into you. It's like the conversation I had a long time ago with a wise old elder who graciously asked me an important question. The church I pastored was in the shadows of Wall Street, and he was the vice president of one of these major brokerage houses. And and he asked me how I was investing, and I was young, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I told him I was just plopping a little bit of money that I had into a savings account, nice and safe, guaranteed to be there, and guaranteed to virtually be unchanged. And then he said, you have to invest for the long haul. You have to have the end in mind. You got to know where you're going and invest in the lows and in the highs, knowing where you're going. So Jesus spends pretty much all his time giving investment advice, how to invest according to where you're going. How to become richer and richer on the inside. How to get heaven more and more inside of you. And the debate is, do you live for the short term or do you live for the long term? Do you live for the short term or the long term? Do you hate your enemy, short term, 
Or do you love your enemy long term? Do you amass a fortune short term? Or do you give to those who need it long term? Do you hold a grudge short term? Or do you forgive 70 times 7 long term? Do you make it all about the latest election short term? Or do you try building the kingdom of God long term? Do you get the other guy before he gets you short term? Or do you do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God long term? That's the great debate, right? The debate that seems always to occur inside us human beings. This debate on the short term and the long term. For for what horizon are we living? Treasures in heaven, Jesus said, or treasures on earth? Which I suppose brings us back to that resurrection question. Where is my life going and how well am I investing in it? What will I do here that will be treasured there? What will the Omega say as we ascend? Well done, good and faithful servant, or you fool. Which I suppose brings us to this day of the year we call All Saints Sunday, this day when we pause and remember the saints, all those we knew and loved and have gone into their eternal reward. And what do we remember? Oh, we remember the long-term investments they made, the eternal truths about them that will be treasured forever, the love, the grace, the kindness, the wisdom, the loyalty, the compassion. Saints in the making. For that is what they were and that is what we are. Are we not saints in the making, a striving, born of Living less for ourselves and more for those who need the love, need the kindness, need the wisdom, need the loyalty, need the compassion. All those evidences that we are banking on the resurrection, playing the long game. Which makes me think of one such saint, a saint for me anyway, who this year went before me over the horizon of this life into the next life, a man I knew since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, elder in my church of my childhood, volunteer director of our summer kids camp, youth group advisor, mentor, public servant, avid Michigan fan, which pretty much guarantees you heaven. (laughs) He loved Jesus, he loved his family, he loved his friends. And he loved those he didn't even know. He would give his shirt off his back and oftentimes did. Sat in the same pew every Sunday. Loved a good joke. There will be no statues for my friend because that's not what he played for. The investment was for the long term. Now the payoff is beginning. Or maybe it began a long time ago, just a little And that kid, knee-high to a grasshopper, who gives thanks this day for his long-term investment. Praise God from whom and to whom all blessings flow. Saints in the making, a striving born gratitude.